And stand with me as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. We are looking in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 12. 2 Samuel chapter number 12. And we will begin reading with verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Begin our reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of his son. For you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the Son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. This morning I want to talk to you from the subject, the reckoning of sin. The reckoning of sin. Father, I thank you that you are an awesome and incredible God. You're a God of incredible mercy. Your mercy is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. But God, you're also a God of judgment. And oh God, even though that you are willing to forgive us no matter what our sin, yet there is a day coming when there will be a reckoning. And there will be consequences to pay. 
for the sin of your people. Help us today to uh, be anointed by your spirit, Lord. Speak to the heart of the people. Do what we are unable to do, and that is to, Lord, take this message and make it alive to those that hear it today. And for those today that, Lord, that need, Lord, to deal with their sin, oh God, let it be the day. They come clean before you in every area. For the glory of God, we ask these things. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Friend, our sins will be reckoned with. Both in this life and in the life to come. Nobody gets away with sin. James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15 says that each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and tempted. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 12 verses 2 and 3. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed. There is nothing hidden that will not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark, Jesus said, will be heard in the light. And what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetop. Oh, hear me this morning, friend. We can either deal with our sins in private, oh, or God will proclaim them publicly. Friend, I am such a mess that I don't let a day go by but when I confess my sin before God. I'm such a mess that I don't let a day go by but when I ask God, Oh God, I need your help. I need your cleansing. Oh, wash over me with your blood. You see, I'd rather deal, oh, with my sin privately before God, oh, than for him to have to expose my sin publicly. In our text, David had been living with his sin for quite some time now because the byproduct of his sin had already been born. We ought to all be very familiar with this story, David who is presently the king. The Bible said in the springtime. The Bible said at the time when kings go out to battle. Oh, David stayed home. That was his first mistake. And one evening while he was at home, when he should have been in battle, but he was at home. And one day he was walking on top of his house. And he sees a young beautiful woman bathing. He inquires about her. He finds out that she is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. This should have been enough information for David to forget all about her. She is married. She belongs to somebody else. She is unavailable no matter who he is, no matter how beautiful she is. David ignores all of this and sins for her. She comes. David sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant. The plot thickens. It always does when sin is involved. Bathsheba's husband is off at war. He's in the midst of a battle. So David calls for him, brings him home, takes him out of the battle and brings him home. And David tells him to go home. Oh, thinking he will go home. He will sleep with his wife. Oh, when the baby comes, he will think it is his. Only one problem. 
Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, has more character than David. He says, I I can't go home and sleep with my wife when my men, my soldiers, are on the front lines. My, My own men are out giving their life. They're out there on the front lines of battle. How can I go home and sleep with my wife knowing that my I've left my men in battle? What is David going to do now? Oh, will he come clean? Will he confess his horrible sin? Will he beg Uriah's forgiveness? Oh, no. No. No, the plot thickens. Oh, oh, he places Uriah at the very front of the battle where he will be killed. Uriah is killed. After his death, David sends for Bathsheba to come and be his wife. Now everything is fixed. He has fixed everything. Uriah is dead. Uriah is out of the way. Bathsheba is in the kingdom. Bathsheba is the wife now of the king. David has committed adultery. He's had a man killed. He lied. He sneaked. Oh, he connived. And nobody is the wiser for it. Oh, David has sinned and is getting away with it. Oops. We better read the rest of the story. Let's go through the first 15 verses of chapter 12 that we read a moment ago. There's seven things I'd like to pull pull from these. The first thing I want us to notice is the representative. The representative, verse 1, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. Friend, we might think that no one sees what we're doing. Ah, we might think that we have, we have done a flawless job of covering our tracks. Ah, but know this, God sees all and knows all. Proverbs 15 and 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and on the good. The psalmist said in In Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verse 7 through 12. Uh, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, oh, there you are. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. Oh, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Oh, no doubt David thought, I, I have I've covered my tracks well. I, I've gotten away with my sin. But hear me, friend, a, a sin always has its day of reckoning. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It might not be next week. It might not be next month. It may not be next year. But, friend, the day is coming when all will be exposed. The day will come when what you have done in secret will be revealed to all. The day will come when what you have done in private oh, will be made public. Second thing I see in this story is the report. In verse 1 through 4, Nathan tells David a story. 
It's really David's story about his encounter with Bathsheba, but, but David doesn't recognize himself in the story. Nathan tells David about a very wealthy Wealthy man who had everything. There was absolutely nothing that he needed that he did not have. He tells David also about another man who was very, very poor. And all that he had that was of value to him was one little old lamb that was his pet. One little bitty lamb that he had had. Oh, that had become dear, near and dear to the family. He tells him the the rich man who had thousands of lambs, and yet he took the only, the only lamb that the poor man had, he took that away from him. Instead of going through, uh, oh, his, uh, his lambs and finding one, no, 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 he, he takes the only one this gentleman has away from him. This story Nathan tells is a direct reflection of what David had done all to Uriah when David the king who could have had anything and had access to anything and everything that he could possibly want and yet he takes from Uriah the only thing, the most precious and prized things that that he had and cherished the most, his very wife. The third thing I see in the story is the response. Verse 5 and 6 gives us David's response. And he's furious. He hears this story from Nathan and he is furious. How dare this rich man take this one possession that this poor man has away from him. There's just no excuse for this kind of behavior. Oh, David says the man who is guilty of this shall surely die. I will see to it. He will lose his life. And not only will he lose his life, but he will give back to this man that he stole from four Oh, hanging from his heels is David's response. No punishment would be too great. How heartless it was for this man to do such a thing. And then we find the rebuke, number four. And that's found in verses 7 through 12 as Nathan rebukes David. And in verse 7, then Nathan said to David, I can just see him pointing his little bony finger in David's face and says, You are the man. You're the man. David, are you blind? Are you deaf? Are you stupid? You are the man. You're the one I described in this story. And Nathan goes on to remind David of the details of his sin with Bathsheba. Oh, friend, man is quick to see the sin and the shortcomings of his brother, but blind and deaf to his own. That would be a good place for an amen there. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5. Jesus said, why do you worry about the, about the speck that's in your brother's eye when you've got a log in yours? Jesus was funny, wasn't he? I don't know how you see him, but he's funny. You read his writing, it's funny. I mean, I can just see, you know, Jesus, you know, describing this man with a little bitty speck in his eye. And the man is upset because he sees this little bitty speck in his eye. But here's this big old four by four coming out of his own eye. It was funny. Jesus said, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you with that little speck in your eye when you've got a log in yours. 
Pastor, you know, you're, you're, pretty, you're pretty out there sometimes. You're pretty blunt and pretty plain spoken. Well, you know what? I never did what Jesus said. Jesus said, hypocrite! I never called anybody a hypocrite before in public. Hypocrite Jesus head first. Get rid of the log that's coming out of your own eye. And if you'll get rid of the log that is in your own eye, then you can see well enough to deal with the little tiny speck that's in your friend's eye. David is ready uh, oh, to execute somebody for stealing a lamb. And all the while, he is guilty of stealing a person. And isn't that the way we are? We like to see our sin as small and insignificant, but uh, all the sins of others as big and bad and ugly. When someone else sins, we cry out for judgment. Hang them from their heels, we say. Throw them in the pokey and throw away the key. Amen. When somebody else sins, we cry out for judgment. When we sin, we cry out for mercy and we cry out for grace. When somebody else's child messes up, we point an accusing finger and demand the letter of the law. But when our kid messes up, but you just don't understand. When our kid messes up, we want understanding. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful because they will receive mercy. Jesus said, give and it will be given back to you. Jesus said, with the same measure you measure out, it will be measured back to you. Let me encourage you today. I've said this many times, but it bears repeating. Let me encourage you today to become a person of mercy and become a person of grace. Because, friend, there's going to come a time, amen, when you're going to need mercy. There's going to come a time when you are going to need grace. Oh, whether it's for you or whether it's for one of the people that you love, somebody dear to you. And friend, the determining factor as to whether or not you receive mercy and grace is whether or not you gave mercy or you gave grace. In verse 7 through 12, Nathan rebukes David for his sin and reveals to him the judgment that has come upon him and his family because of his sin. But the fifth thing that I see is the repentance Verse 13, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. In Psalm 51, Psalm 51, we have recorded David's repentance in detail. Psalm 51 is what actually took place as David stood before Nathan and repented. And in Psalm 51, David cries out, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my mother's, uh, in my mother, 
and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Oh, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Oh, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And on and on and on it goes. Friend, I don't have time this morning to go into detail oh, about this uh, about this uh, prayer. But one thing I do want to call your attention to is verse number in verse 13 of 2 Samuel 12, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. And in verse 4 of Psalm 51, he says it again, against you and you only have I sinned. Oh, sin, friends, what we don't understand is that when we sin, we don't just sin against our brother. We don't just sin against our sister. We don't just sin against people. We sin against God, the God that created us in his own image. We break our Father's heart when we sin. David repented of his sin. And the sixth thing that I find in the story is the reprieve. Found in verse 13 in the latter part. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin, and you shall not die. Because of his repentance, David receives a reprieve, a postponement of judgment. At first, Nathan says in verses 7 through 12, this, 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 and this is going to happen as a byproduct of your sin because of your sin is being judged. All of these things are going to happen to you and your family. Oh, David comes clean. He repents. His repentance is sincere and sorrowful. Oh, he's not just sorry that he was caught. He is genuinely repented. His heart is broken as he contemplates the fact that he has broken the Father's heart. Friend, let me encourage you today, if you have hidden sin in your life, if you are here today and you have hidden sin in your life, nobody knows about it. It would be a shock if it were exposed. And let me tell you this morning, it's here. It's here. I used to have a fellow in Midland always loved to tell me after service, Pastor, if that had been here, you'd have got him. Pastor, you're preaching to the choir. Let me tell you a little bit about that choir. I have a little insight. I know a little bit about that choir you don't know about. I've seen incest in the choir. I've seen homosexuality in the choir. I've seen adultery in the choir. I've seen murder in the choir. One day he said, Preacher, if I'd have been here yet, I got him. I said, You were here and I got you. <laughs> if we only knew. If we only knew. Just this past Sunday, when I was leaving, a gentleman went over to my car and kept me for a solid hour and told me his life story. I had no clue. It was unreal. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe anybody would have to go through he gone through. He walk in here. You wouldn't think anything. We have no. We have no clue what's sitting on our pews today. We have no clue as to the hurts and the pains and the anguish. 
we have no clue into some people's lives as how they're truly and genuinely living. Oh, if you're here today, and you are, if you are here today, oh, and you have hidden sin in your life, nobody knows about it. Oh, it would be a shock if it were exposed. Let me encourage you today. Go to God in private. Go to God in private and confess it. Oh, come clean before God. Cry out to God for His mercy. Cry out to God for His grace. Beg for His forgiveness. Repent of it. Turn away from it. And oh, my friend, if it just is just too big of a, of a giant for you to take on on your own, let me encourage you. Come to me. Come to me as your pastor. Come to me as your friend. Let me help you take on the giant you're facing. You can trust me. You can trust me. I will not expose you publicly if you come to me privately. Or if you just can't come to me, maybe it's just too embarrassing for you to tell me, or you just don't want to disappoint me. If you just can't come to me, go go to some other godly pastor or some other godly leader that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know you can trust and let them help you. But come clean, deal with it privately so, so that, oh, God will not be forced to send a Nathan to deal with it publicly. The seventh thing I want us to notice this morning is the result. Verse number 14, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Oh, yes, friend, God forgives. But there will still be consequences that will come as a result of sin. This is why God hates sin so much. Because He knows that although He stands ready, willing, and able to forgive, yet He knows that there will still be consequences that will happen as a result of your sin. Notice too, in this situation found in verse 14, number one, God's work is hindered. God's work is hindered. Nathan said to David, because of this deed, you have, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. You see, every time sin is openly exposed in our life, it gives the sinner another reason not to believe. Actor Richard Gere said, I would become a Christian if I ever met a real one. Obviously, he's seen too many Christians merely talk the talk and fail to walk the walk. He said, I would become a Christian if I ever really met one. He said, their teachings are incredible. Friend, when our sin is exposed, God's work is hindered. How many baby Christians lose out with God when some giant in Christianity falls? Now, mature saints have learned to place their trust and confidence in Christ and Christ alone. And so their faith isn't shaken if their leader fails. But baby Christians haven't yet learned to distinguish between the master and his messenger. 
Naomi Armstrong tells the story, and I've told it before, but it fits here. And she tells the story of sitting in church with her grandson. And evidently that Sunday I had a guest preacher, and he was preaching. And Naomi Armstrong's grandson pointed up to the preacher behind the pulpit and said, That not God. And Naomi said, No, sweetheart, that's not God. That's That man represents God to us. That man leads us to God. That man tells us about God. He said, Grandma, that not God. I was sitting over there where my dad is sitting right now. He said, that God. (laughs) Well, let me be quick to tell you, I'm not God nor Junior. But baby Christians and children have a hard time distinguishing between the master and his messenger. The result of sin is twofold. God's work is hindered, number one. And number two, innocent people are hurt. Oh, in David's story, Bathsheba was hurt. She obviously loved her husband. Oh, when he died, the Bible says she mourned for him. I know it takes two to tango, but you know what? He was the king. And if she refused the king, she probably would have lost her life. Now, character would have lost her life. But you know what? I'm laying the blame on David. She was hurt. Whether or not she had affection for David or not. But she was hurt. She lost her husband. And the baby that was conceived through the sin of of David and Bathsheba was innocent. Let me tell you something this morning. There is no such thing as an illegitimate child. Say, Pastor, how do you deal with people that have babies in the church and they're not married? How do you deal with them? We deal with them just like they were married. We don't condone how it happened, but that baby is innocent. And we're going to shower that baby just like it, no matter what. We're going to shower that baby. We're going to dedicate that baby. We're going to love that baby? Because you see, there's no such thing as an illegitimate child, only illegitimate parents. Although the child was innocent, how in this story the child died. I don't fully understand that. In all honesty, don't fully agree with it. It's okay. I'm not God. But one thing I do know, and that is a byproduct of sin is there will always be innocent people that will be hurt. Oh, people think this, this thing will only affect me. Oh, two people think, oh, we can have this thing, we can have this fling, and, and it will only affect us. Wrong! When sin is involved, there will always be innocent people that will be hurt. Oh, they may not be hurt today. They may not be hurt tomorrow. They may not be affected next week. But before it is all over, innocent people will be hurt. Oh, people that you love dearly. Oh, people that mean the very most to you. Let me remind you this morning as the musicians and singers get back in place this morning. Let me remind you today of the three things I always remind you of when I take on this subject. Three things that sin will always do. Let me tell you this morning, number one, sin will always take you farther than you intended to go. Oh, I'll just go this far, you say, but once you get there, you keep on going. 
Number two, sin will keep you all. It will always keep you longer than you intended to stay. Oh, oh, just once you say to yourself, I'll only do it once. But yet you find yourself back there again and again and again and again. Number three, sin will always cost you more. And you were willing to pay. Oh, if someone had told you up front how much your sin would have cost you, you would have said, no thanks, I'm not willing to pay that much. The cost is just too high. But sin is so subtle and it is so small and so seemingly harmless. But sin will always take you farther than you intended to go. It will always keep you longer than you intended to stay. Oh, it will always cost you more than you were willing. We've been talking about the reckoning of sin today. Our sins will be reckoned with, both in this life and in the life to come. And let me admonish you this morning, deal with your sin privately so that God won't have to send a Nathan to put his finger in your face and say, you are the man. Father, thank you for the word of God today. Lord, it burns upon my heart today. God, we think we know people, but even as I said to my wife this week, we don't really ever really know people. Sometimes even husbands and wives thought they knew one another and find out there was a secret life. There was a secret part. Oh God, help us today. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, absolutely nobody's looking around. Nobody. If you look around, I'm going to ask God to strike you blind this morning. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Nobody's looking about. Nobody's leaving unless you have a a baby that's disturbing and then we ask you to do that for the good of all. I've spoken to the heart of somebody here today, more than one. God has zeroed in on you today. God loves you so much that he's used this message before this general audience to speak specifically to you. And if you respond today, that's good. But if you are in denial today and you fail to deal with your sin, let me tell you, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, maybe not next month, but Nathan's coming He's coming to your house. He's knocking on your door. And he's going to say, you're the one. God's got your number. He's tried to deal with you and deal with you, but you wouldn't. He tried to do it discreetly. He tried to do it in private, but you wouldn't. So now, I'm the reporter, and I'm putting it in on the front page. Pastor, God's dealing with my heart today over an issue. I want to come clean with it today. Nobody's looking about. It takes a lot of courage. I want to see your hand this morning lifted up real high, real high. Come on. You have courage this morning to, to answer this call. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to expose you in any way, shape, or form. God's dealing with my heart. He put, put he, he, he's, he's talking to me this morning. I want to deal with this thing privately so I don't have to come publicly. Thank you, young man. You can put your hand down. How many others? Just want to lift it up real high. Let me just recognize that you have lifted your hand today. 
I know it. Thank you, young man. You can put your hand down. I know it's a difficult, difficult thing to do this morning, but I believe it would be better if you did it this morning. Can I see your hand this morning? Lift it up real high. Anyone in this room? God's dealing with you today. He sent you a general message. He's trying to do it so you can save face. But friend, if you ignore it, there'll come a day when Nathan will knock on your door. Amen. Come clean today. Come clean today. Come clean today. All right, this morning I know there's a couple of young guys that lifted their hand. And when I was a young man, I had to raise both hands every time. And I was guilty. This morning there's some other folks here today that God is dealing with your heart. And you just couldn't quite lift your hand and maybe you didn't want Pastor to see it. That's okay, I understand. I'm not going to send you away this morning defeated. I'm going to tell you today, you can still deal with this thing. You can deal with it privately this morning in your own prayer time. You can deal with it today privately in your own prayer time today. You can set up an appointment and come and visit with me. I can help you if you need help this morning. Or you can find someone that you trust. And you better know you can trust them if you do. Amen. Could we have the prayer team? I just need, I want four people, only four people, the first four people from the prayer team to come. Real quickly, hurry. Four people from the prayer team come. One, two, two more, three, one more. One more. That's all we have. Okay, there, there we go. We got them. We've got them right here. Just in between these, always stay in between here and the end of that plate over there so that we can leave room on either side for people that want to come and kneel and pray. Pastor Carl is going to lead us in a chorus this morning. I want to open the altars today. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe, maybe it's something we've talked about today. Maybe it's not. Maybe you have a physical need. You'd like to be anointed with oil. These-